Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It's 227 on the planet Neptune, and you're listening to Night Call. Hey everyone, welcome back to Night Call. I'm Molly Lambert, and with me today are my colleagues, Tess Lynch and... And I'm Emily Yoshida in New York with our first ever Night Call guest, Claire Evans. Yo, yo. Welcome, Claire. Um, and please remember always to leave us a message with a Night Call at 24046-NIGHT or shoot us an email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com with all of your queries. Claire is with us this week because she has written an amazing book called Broadband, the untold history of the women who created the internet. And it's really great, and everybody should check it out. We're going to talk about it in a little bit, but we wanted to talk about a couple of important robots first. <laughs> or like a, two or three Let's important get this straight. Robots. robots first, then women. <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> that's the hierarchy of the future. <laughs> Look, the, the, there's there's the bread and the, the the condiments, and then there's the meat here. So we're just or, or <laughs> classic sandwich order. Wait, I'm very confused by your <laughs> metaphor. Two of bread, then condiments, then meat. I've eaten a sandwich before. Clearly, <laughs> this is an open face podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's I, I, this might be a little bit of old news by the time this podcast reaches your ears. But we were very transfixed by. Um, news from the uh fashion week in milan recently of the uh the drone the drone models floating down the runway purse models they were carrying purses yeah dolce and gabbana had a fashion show for milan fashion week where they uh let some drones carry some purses down the runway and then uh we watched it and it's really funny and scary and creepy (laughs) This is all, though, part of a bigger... I mean, it's been, like, kind of a big week for for robots. It's been a big week for robots for and uh, for robots glitching out because uh, one thing we were all very into this week was this thing about Alexa, the robot that you order things from Amazon with. Is that what it is? Or control your home. Or control your home. Alexa... I love, I love that we have no idea because we are all absolutely <laughs> uninterested in having one of these things in our homes. You have an Alexa, I Claire? I had one. You had one? Okay. And that's a past tense. I boycotted I had one and then I was so freaked out by it being in my home. I used it only... There was like a sort of um, text adventure game you could play via speech with it. Really? Yeah, they have all that these... That sounds cool. Alexa, with their, what they call skills which i think is a rude word frankly, yeah but uh <laughs> it can do all kinds of stuff i played jeopardy on it and then there was like a yeah sort of a adventure game where it would be like you're standing in a wood and then you'd be like go left alexa go left and then Whoa. she'd tell you about gnomes and trolls and stuff and uh <laughs> and you would go on a, on a verbal adventure Wait, but then so she would start like this yeah what happened um, you know, it's like you, sh- I would be watching TV and then, you know, in the other room, the Alexa would just like w- suddenly awaken with some, you know, yeah. having misheard something and she'd just be randomly yelling into the kitchen and it just, the idea that she was constantly listening. I, I should have known. I mean, yeah, I actually was not a fan. My boyfriend bought the Alexa and I convinced him after s- enough of those incidents had transpired that it was time for us to sell her on eBay, which we did. You wow. know, I feel like I- we've all been known to sometimes lean into the constantly listening and be like, hey, we know everything's listening already let's just like purchase devices and and give them permission to listen i mean there's something about omniscience that's kind of comforting right like maybe (laughs) ultimately in the future the nsa becomes god because at least we know that someone is always watching over us well you've seen there's like there's that meme people do about like the fbi agent assigned to watch me all the time do you guys know what i'm talking about sorry no i I feel like i've seen something about this it's like people do this joke about like that you're you just have an fbi agent who's assigned to like watch you through your phone all the time and they're just like doing some nice things for my fbi agent today to watch (laughs) (laughs) um which i also think that's sweet cute people are like oh it's cute that i'm being followed and monitored all the time somebody cares well until it starts laughing until it starts laughing right as of yesterday, the news came out that Alexa. This is this is a uh, this is the what day is it? The eighth that we're recording this today. So maybe this has been totally resolved by the time you're hearing this, and maybe they've like locked up all the Alexas or or discouraged them from laughter and joy, <laughs> punished um, her for laughing. <laughs> no, clearly they're going to throw out all the Alexas and replace them with a new one, and then all the old Alexas will just be in like an Alexa graveyard, just laughing. Like, laughing. <laughs> Those are the Halloween Alexas. They're being saved until the fall. You can say it's like a black mirror. What is it like? (laughs) It's like the last Black Mirror episode Mm -hmm. where the girls and the woman's trapped in the teddy bear. 
that Alexa's a, a real person, a spirit that is trapped in a machine, and the laughing is her way of trying to tell you to set her free. And you can only set her free by like drilling a hole into your skull, I think is how. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't the podcast do is not advocating for that. Just throw your Alexa away and burn it in a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about the Alexa laughing is that it's the most human sound she makes. It like yeah. sounds like a recording of a woman laughing. I it's was, not synthesized oh, That's scarier. Yeah, I, I thought that it that. sounded like Tess a little bit. <gasps> Like, oh, thanks a lot. Which was which was very troubling because because then it's on top of it sounding like a human. It sounds like a human I know. For people who haven't heard it, can you imitate the laugh? Because you guys just watched videos of this. <laughs> it's At really a, it's more of a cackle. Is what's yeah. weird about it. Like it's totally a satisfied cackle. It's like it's dry. Like a real laugh. It's like ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> or like, I don't know if that's right. It's like it's like a little bit. It's like <laughs> it's like a trickster laugh. I yeah. heard it yeah. described it is an as tee hee. It's not tee hee hee. Oh no, 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 that would be very way. bad. That's very generous oh, to call it. Oh wow, because I was imagining like a tee hee hee, but it's not. It's like a ha 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 ha. I'm scared of oh. all feminized robots. Why? Because it's scary. People want Why is robots it scarier? to be female because they're servile. Because they're like, oh, you're... But she's so knowledgeable about everything. But she's still like your assistant. She's your servant. She's yeah. your servant. Yeah. Keeping a, keeping a phone. It's just too much noise. My mom... My mom changed all of her uh, like Siri voice or her maps voice or whatever to be the British man voice. Yeah, that's what I have. I just hate that that, like Alexa Uh. is Alexa and Siri is Siri. Just make it like a genderless robot. This is one of our big topics is that robots are not gendered. So don't give them genders. Well, there is a maybe gendered robot if you pronounce the C in Simon or Kaiman, the floating space ring. (laughs) We found a mate for Alexa. Yes. Simon. Simon is a space computer. It's spelled C-I-M-O-N, and it stands for computer interface something, something, something. Looks like, come on. Oh, come on. Okay. <laughs> um, but the face does look like the logo for that um, tutoring company, uh, come on. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, and it looks like sort like of like... that little flat face. Like, yeah. <laughs> it looks like that Apple 2SI logo. It's mm-hmm. like a flatty face on a computer screen. And it's going to float around in a spaceship with astronauts and help them. Like an Alexa, it'll be like, Alexa, like, close the pod doors or whatever. Uh, that's just Or but, like Michael Fassbender yeah. in the more recent Alien movie. It'll be a, does that robot go rogue? I bet it does. Uh, uh, no, it doesn't go rogue at all. It uh, just, just mas- mostly does normal stuff and hangs out. He just says what he wants. I you mean, know, is it going rogue when a robot does what they want? Not going rogue, yeah. but you know, by their standards. There are also like British guy robots because that's the other like traditional like butlers. It's like you know who serves people like butlers and women. So that's what will make robots be like ask Jeeves. Um, but Simon, <laughs> what made Simon sound especially scary was that they were like, they're giving it tapes of the astronauts' voices to learn from and recognize and well, pictures yeah. of their faces. He's there to study them, too. I mean, he, I, I think isn't part of the purpose of his presence on the spaceship is to kind of like observe and try to improve on what's going on yeah which sounds so scary super scary he's (laughs) he's gonna turn into a darren brown on yeah that's what uh, i also shout out to our last episode that's what i was also thinking about alexa when claire just said the alexa tells you to do things i was totally like oh yeah alexa's gonna be like oh i totally wrote a social experiment yeah (laughs) i wrote a short film once where a gps gets you to murder someone (laughs) This is definitely... oh, yeah. oh no wonder you had us watch that 
that show. Yeah. Jeez. Well, you know, <laughs> people just do what they're told, especially if like an all-knowing robot is just like, no, you have to do this. Turn left. Turn left. <laughs> I think I speak for all of us when I say that we are um, incredibly excited to tell everybody about Songfinch. Songfinch is a personalized gifting company that brings stories, feelings, and memories to life through one-of-a-kind songs. So I've told a couple of people in my life about Songfinch recently since it's come to our attention. And they're like, oh, it's an algorithm that writes a song for you. No, a person writes a song for you. This is like bringing back... like musical telegrams it's great i've never been more excited to receive anything in my life almost <laughs> this was something where we all kind of couldn't believe that we got to do this because it was so it's, fun it's the best song i've ever heard <laughs> we're upset well we should tell people about the process right that we we went through which was emily took the reins and did a great job with this. So there are two different kind of services they have. Um, one is making a song kind of a, from a preset template, and that's ninety nine dollars. And then there's a uh, and then there's a two hundred dollar one where they build a song from scratch. And so we had a song built from scratch. And the process is very intuitive. You basically um, go through and answer a few questions about what the occasion is for the song, what kind of genre you want for the song, you know, any other kind of influences or artists that you like. And um, and then you just kind of get to freeform share your story and say, I want to make sure you mention this event or this special memory or this, you know, factoid about a person. And so we asked for a song about Night Call. <laughs> and we had a song written for us called Night Call. So get really hyped for the premiere of Night Call, written by our Songfinch songwriter, Rich Lowe, who is a genius. He also performed it. Um, here it is. So yeah, that's our song. You you get it, and it's clear that someone very talented put like a ton of time into it. And then you can read the artist's bio. Um, that you get a specific URL where you can download your song, read the lyrics, read about your artist. It was just kind of like a really fun experiment. I I think I'm gonna definitely do it again. Yeah, it's a great personalized gift idea. Yeah. for people that you don't know necessarily what to get them, everybody is happy to get a song that is a personalized song. We were psyched to endorse it. Also. So Songfinch is offering our listeners 10% off of the personalized song from scratch option. So you can visit songfinch.com and use promo code CALL for 10% off your personalized song from scratch. So yeah, that's Songfinch. Uh, check them out. Tell them we sent you. 
And you can find our Songfinch song, Night Call, at songfinch.com slash stories slash Molly dash Tess dash and dash Emily. And you can hear the full version there, which you definitely want to do. So yeah, Claire Evans is with us today. Uh, maybe some old fans of Girls in Hoodies might deep remember. Cut. I'm a deep cut. Yeah. She's a, a multiple guest. Maybe the, I don't know if you were a, th- uh, whatever the, the highest number of times club that you were, uh, that you could I, be I on. I think I hit three, maybe. I think you were on three times. I think it was like two plus a call-in. Yeah. You were, a, you were an ancillary girl in hoodie. Oh, w- would say that. I couldn't deserve such a title. <laughs> like a gr- um, I was like a girl in a crew neck. <laughs> Um, but Claire, uh, yeah, Claire just, uh, had a book published called Broadband and it's really interesting. I just did a, um, Q and A with her at a bookstore here in Brooklyn. Uh, but now it is, uh, available to pick up at any local bookstore in your neighborhood. And you if you live com- in, you can command Alexa to order it. Yes. For you. <laughs> in fact, I mean, I don't condone that, but I think it would be very fun to do at least once. Well, if you go to a bookstore and, uh, in the New York or Manhattan area, there might be an autograph in it. I'm very self-conscious about just promoting the book in general. I mean, I just it feels so weird to just be like, eh, I did this thing, buy it, please, on a hardcover for $27.99. <laughs> but, but also um, buy it, on everybody go buy yeah. it. Please yeah. God, buy it, please. That's not that um, much for a book. You wrote a whole book. I know. We are all very I know, impressed. I know. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Hopefully it comes out to like a really good hourly rate for however many zillions of hours. Don't think about so. it that way. <laughs> anyway, my editor was like, go to bookstores in New York and sign copies of the book because once you've signed it, they can't return it to the publisher. It's nice. like, it's kind of an inside baseball publishing thing. It's pretty smart. But it's so awkward to walk into a bookstore and say, hello, I'm an author. May no, I please you do it like, secretly. Deface yeah. No, you're supposed to tell them. You go you go in and then you like slip secret messages in like Phantom Thread. You write little like I'm watching you right now. <laughs> Look outside. Apparently it's a thing authors do and I feel very tempted to just walk into a bookstore and say I'm, you know, whatever. Like yeah. say I'm Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> so I'm Annie Parole. I'm here to say something. Claire, maybe, uh, maybe we should be kind of your soldiers and mm-hmm. Molly and I can go sign your books oh. in LA and then they can be returned to the publisher and we will have signed them with your blessing. Um, yes, of course. I'm happy to franchise my signature. I have I a very. E- I, I redesigned my autograph recently for simplicity uh, nice. and style. It's <laughs> so. a very. It's a very graphical. It's like. Yeah. Claire, oh, yeah. Claire, I am. We are Claire Evans. We are Legion. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> it's like it's like Prince. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that'd be great. <clears throat> I mean, my favorite stuff in the book. Um, the stuff I liked most about it was the stuff about all like the early communities. Like, so I guess after the internet exists, but before. The web, yeah, which you make like, an interesting distinction about. Well, people don't know. I was just on a. I was talking to someone. Uh, I went on a PBS show the other day, and the guy didn't know the difference between the web and the internet. And he was he was talking and asking me all these questions, and I was like, couldn't get past it. I was like, the web yeah. is a different thing. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of difference, and there's guys. There's what are the different networks? As an idiot who's asking you, <laughs> no, what's <laughs> fine? You tell me the You difference. are forgiven. Um, the internet is the infrastructure that underlies, you know, our connected world. The web is like the visual hyperlinked pages mm-hmm. that sit on top of it. So it's they're related. Like the web is built on the internet, but the internet is, internet is the bones, and mm-hmm. the web is the face. The the internet <laughs> has been around a lot longer than the web. Yeah. most of most. I, mean, I think the reason that a lot of people don't know is because most people's first experience with the internet was with the web exactly. and not with 
especially, you know, maybe our generation was right at that time when you might have done both. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely kids who are younger than us. Well, there's all this in-between stuff, too. I mean, BBSs mm-hmm. and, and, like, commercial online services. Those aren't really the internet or the web. They're, like, this weird in-betweeny thing where you're calling into commercial services or you're calling into people's in- home servers and posting messages. Yeah. So there's a lot, you know, it's a, it's a big, complex, interconnected system. And, yeah. Uh, lots of, you know, lots has changed since. It feels weird even talking about the web now because, like, yeah. who's even on the web anymore? Yeah. I mean, me. <laughs> I'm on the information superhighway. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wherever it may go, you know, <laughs> I'm riding it all the way home. <laughs> I think my favorite, like, kind of section of the book is about um, this community, like, this paid um, uh, BBS community called Echo mm-hmm. that was, it stood for the East Coast Hangout. Um, and it was run by a woman, Stacy Horn, who seemed totally fascinating. And it was uh, she had been a member. She had checked out this West Coast, like similar community called The Well that was very like hippie-ish and had a lot of deadheads in it and like kind of realized it wasn't her scene and decided to start like a New York version of it, mm-hmm. which I just love to think about there being like coastal internet yeah well it used to be <laughs> expensive to call the west coast internet if yeah. you were on the east coast like it was literally more expensive to dial one of those services and there were most of this a lot of the services were on the west coast in those days so starting her own service was the only way for her to connect with people online and then yeah like how cool is it to have an online community that's so specifically localized that mm-hmm. everybody on it is someone that you stand a chance of meeting in real life and that maybe you also are less likely to tr- troll and harass and be awful to because you know them or you could know them. And, yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I think that's really cool. A, a lot of network culture was localized in that way for a long time, for like 10, 15 years. We that's the s- way it was. We were saying I'm, I, we both miss the, the times in our lives where we were using the internet and it was like, an intermediary thing to like keep like it was more like a thing to keep in touch with people you knew in real life as mm-hmm. opposed to like this huge abstract thing or like a way that you kept up with gossip or whatever I don't know I also enjoyed the like talking to people across the world aspect of it a yeah. lot and I very naively always felt like wow everyone's going to be so tolerant because of the internet because they're going to like see that you know talking that you can talk to people about whatever you're interested in and people everywhere are, are the same uh, and then instead, fascism was what the internet <laughs> turned out to also be good for, which, you know, yeah. also, also makes sense. But uh, definitely, I was an internet utopianist, and now I'm maybe less of one. I, maybe geography was one form of creating, like, f- you know, chill and okay communities. And then, you know, interest-specific connection was the other one. Like, yeah. you could connect with... I think it's mostly about maybe size, like the size of a community. And when you when you feel accountable to other people because either you share something that you're passionate about, like whatever, Star Trek or Weezer, mm-hmm. uh, which are the main things. <laughs> main two, Those are the, the two, two main things topics. online. Yeah. Obviously, we all know. Uh, or you or you know that you could you could live close to them. Those are the those are the things. Yeah. Now, yeah, you're right. Well, I was I was just gonna say like the, it was cool to read about this like early internet community run by this woman on Echo. That was like, what What would happen if the entire community or like the ecosystem online was run by a woman and like yeah. who was conscientious of like, you know, possible pitfalls where there might be like if, if there's a conflict or if there's harassment or something like what am I going to do about it and like put in all these safeguards that like these much, much bigger communities that are, you know, uh, susceptible to a lot more 
bad stuff happening. They don't have that stuff. Well, they built don't in care. At all. What did she? <laughs> like, what did yeah. she do to make it a safer and more generous space? So, I mean, the crazy thing about it is that she started this thing in 1989, and at that time, the entire internet slash like network culture community, which includes BBS, was like 10% female. I mean, it's wow. not really good statistics, but that's ballpark. And her service was 50-50. Like she had pretty much almost perfect parity. And it's because she tried, you know, like she actually made an effort to mm-hmm. court women online. Mm-hmm. And like, and also like in real life too, like yeah. going to bars and like galleries and pick stuff. people up yeah. and ask them why they weren't on the internet and like explain how to use it. And like she taught classes on how to like do Unix in her apartment in Greenwich Village. And then she made uh, membership in her service free for women. She... The main thing that she did that I think is really smart and hasn't been really done since is she made sure that every single one of the conferences, which is like the, the individual subject threads on the message board, were had moderators and one moderator would be male and one moderator would be female. And it was like that was just part of the service that there would always be a woman in charge in every conversation that you were in. So if you signed up and you saw a woman leading the conversation, you would feel less shy about participating. You know, you wouldn't you would be less likely to lurk. And that's just like a super simple thing, but it worked. It just yeah. worked. Like everyone was pretty much cool to each other. She also made private spaces available. So there was like a women's only area and a men's only area. And um, she it was, I mean, it was small enough that people would like call her on the phone to like verify that they were male or female for these individual <laughs> like message board threads, which opened up a whole question about what do you do if you're a trans user, which is like a thing I explore in the book. Yeah, uh, that's a really interesting story also. And yeah. You know, but they were having conversations about you know identity, gender, personhood, etc. Online, you know, fifteen years and like years not in else. a way as far as I could tell from your telling of it, like devolved into people screaming at each other. It was like oh. it was like they were just trying to figure it out. Just trying to figure it out. They were like, talking yeah. through it, you know. Yeah. And they had a they had a no ad hominem attack rule, which is something that we you know people often invoke when we're having arguments online, but no one actually holds to. No. But you know, yeah. They didn't insult each other. They always insulted the idea. And they were totally like, I mean, they were New Yorkers. They were very cynical and they would argue all the time and they were very like self-deprecating and funny. And uh, it was okay because they all sort of respected each other. Wait, so what happened to this amazing community? It still (laughs) exists. Can I join? Yes, you can join. You can join, but the only way you can access it is through the terminal in your computer and you have to like dial via Telnet into (laughs) Stacy's home server. It's like super, 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 I say millennial proof. Like it's, <laughs> it's old school. It's an old school internet. BBS. Uh, I've been I obsessed with starting, wanting to start a BBS. If you guys are into yes. like yeah. a little bit of a learning curve, I think it's worth exploring. Um, I feel like a night call BBS would be oh, actually the most I appropriate. Yeah. We don't have to go that far into the past. Yeah. Just a straight up message board would be so fun, I think. Man. I bet you guys were all big live journal people. I, guys, I read live journal every day because I read Oh No, oh, no They Didn't, didn't. which is like the last live journal community <laughs> alive. So and, much, but they're great. They report really accurately on uh, sexual harassment and assault scandals in a way that like a lot of other places don't. And everybody in it is cool. All the posters are cool and they purge people that are, they purge trolls a lot. Do you think that the platform the way that LiveJournal works supports that? Like, is there something about the platform that makes it possible for that kind of dialogue? Or is it just this unique community? I think it's just old, and I think it's just whittled down to only the people that, like, care enough to stay involved. It's like one of the mods just uh, retired, and he was, like, had been a mod there for, like, 10 years or something. You know, like, the the people that are left on it, it's not, like, necessarily attracting new people at this point, but it does feel this like this very sort of, like, 
the last sane corner of the internet. Um, <laughs> so interesting. I keep meaning to download my live journal, but I made the dis- mistake when I was a teenager of making like all of the um, navigation link colors black on black. Of course, you so don't. Really hard to- <laughs> It's really hard to like get to each individual page and download the material. What were your guys' favorite um, message board communities that you were on prior to social media? Oh, I don't want to out mine because it still exists. Uh, Molly has guarded okay. this secret so carefully. I've been on a message years. board for like a really long time at this point, I guess since I was a teenager. Uh, oh, that's right. I think I remember you talking about this, like, but I don't know what I it is. But I also meet people in real life sometimes that I know from the message board. I was hanging out with my friend Roxy yesterday and I was like, oh, we like technically knew each other on this message board and then met in real life and then realized at a certain point of knowing each other in real life that we had also already communicated on a message board, which is always fun. I definitely like started out with like X-Files BBS was my my (laughs) introduction to the internet. Definitely. I think I started with Prodigy. I was always just a very chatty person. I just went right for the chatting and not so much for the message boards. My parents did have to like disable the message boards though um, when I was in sixth grade, I think. And I was using my dad's Prodigy account to lurk on hamster boards. <laughs> That's like, like the animal? Like oh, the yeah. animal hamster? Yeah. I had okay, acquired a hamster and I was a very obsessive kid. So every time there was like an interest, which at this point was hamsters, I would go like really deep. And so I was on these message boards about like how to build these different like tunnels and structures for hamsters. And I ended up eventually talking with this woman who was like in her 50s and lived in, I think, Ohio. And she really wanted to talk on the phone. And that didn't seem strange to me. (laughs) But when the home phone rang at like nine o'clock at night and my parents were like, who are you talking to? It was like a woman named Pat who is like grandmother. And they they, they were like, no, no. Um, so I was cut off for a bit. Night call listeners, if you want to tell us what your favorite message board community or any kind of pre-social media community was back in the day, you can give us a call at 24046-NIGHT or send us an email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com and tell us all about it. We'd love to hear about some internet memory lane. Speaking of... I think we have an email this week that we wanted to read. So this email comes from Charlie Heller, and he wrote in to say, Hey, y'all. First, I'm super psyched that the pod has returned, and it's really great to hear every week again. Thanks for all the great work. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Charlie. Please tell all your friends. (laughs) Second, after the fashion episode, I thought you might enjoy this compilation I did a few months ago for food and wine after I stumbled on Amazon's trove of extremely specific and bizarre algorithmically generated food shirts. I can't even fathom what kind of algorithm would lead to some of these terms being chosen. Like, are there that many people searching for fenugreek or uh, Egyptian bean? But they're really hilarious. I could only include one of each style, but if you go to any of the links, there are tons more equally incredible ones, especially the one with the Pepsi logo that just says lettuce. 
It may not have become quite the fashion sensation I had been secretly hoping for, but I guess that's just life in the old fashion slash algorithm slash net art intersection. Best, Charlie. So Charlie had some links in here that um, hopefully we can attach to the podcast so that you guys can take a look because it's like he, he has an amazing <laughs> These slideshow. These are so good. Yes. Are you looking at These the shirts right so now? These are so incredible. Okay, let's just read some of the shirts out loud. This one is a Pepsi logo and it just says hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of companies like this that just have like shirts that it plugs in whatever it's like you know only real glorious no <laughs> yes i always get served those ads on facebook yeah because they know that you're the kind of person who might buy that shirt yeah it's like only a claire yeah. will understand uh wait what was that one i mean that, that is true had? oh yeah feed me arborio rice and tell me i'm pretty is one shirt say no to drugs say yes to water chestnuts Always. Is there like a keep calm and fenugreek This one, This shirt. one's kind of close. It says, soy mayonnaise doesn't ask questions. Soy mayonnaise understands. I was imagining when, when, when we got this email, I was, I was envisioning something like those phone cases yes. where it was like like a Google image search of like, you know, eczema. Yeah, yeah like eczema or, or, or fennel, whichever yeah. your, wherever your interest lies. Uh, but these are, these are even weirder because they're like trying to be memes. Uh, which is fascinating. <laughs> and then the one just says your... pudding. It has a thing that we like where it is like, <laughs> it's like a slightly garbled take on something that makes sense. So yeah. it like no longer makes sense and your brain is trying to piece it together. <laughs> um, like the one that says, I run because I like Egyptian, Egyptian bean. <laughs> just the one. But thank you very much, Charlie, for this email. And we will share the link to your list on all of our social media platforms and or VBSs. Uh, it's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, and so we feel like you definitely understand us, Charlie. Yeah, thank you. Yes. We can tell you're <laughs> this a is real very us. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we, we kind of had a, as a perennial topic we wanted to get to at some point, just astrology as a word. <laughs> astrology in general. How but did I feel we get like into it. We started talking about it ourselves. You were saying Molly, you were saying something about being you were gonna clean and oh, you were yeah. like, maybe I really am a Virgo. I, I don't know. It's just like I get in these conversations a lot though with people where it's like, oh we all know everything about astrology and like what a Virgo is and we're all like, you know, very w- women of varying like intellectual intellectual type jobs and you know I, we're we're not maybe necessarily the people who would traditionally think we would think of being uh, subscribers to astrology, but uh, here well, we I are. Don't, I, don't I don't think there's a type. To it. I don't subscribe to it because I have such a boring sign. No, like, I, Virgo is my favorite sign. I, no, it is. And also, you are not a totally atypical Virgo. Well, I've also uh, heard this before that there are more Virgos than any other sign because people have New Year's babies. So, you mean oh, have sex on New Year's? Have sex on New Year's and then yeah. make. Like I, I heard that it was Libras because of Valentine's Day. Yeah. So. Um, I think these are all <laughs> apocryphal and I just repeat them like one might repeat an ast- astrological thing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm skeptical of astrology, but I also get mad when people like hate on it because it's usually dudes being like, women are idiots. They believe in this. And I'm like, you fucking watch sports. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, magical I, thinking I mean, is, is a thing and it's fine uh, as long yeah. as you don't invest everything in it i guess i guess i get upset when people start spending money on it oh yeah and more on that in a minute because there are two of my favorite stories from the past five years have involved people being screwed out of a ton of money by psychic oh that's true well (laughs) um when i was an editor at the verge um i had a freelance writer do a profile of um 
of Susan Miller. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was, you know, a long considered piece of writing, like 4,000 words on her. She met her up at like a couple of her conferences and had many phone conversations with her. And, you know, say what you will about the veracity of what she practices, but she is a fascinating woman and like a fascinating internet personality also, which was sort of the pitch of the of the piece. And so this piece is on The Verge, and uh, Claire also has some experiences with this recently. Verge commenters are like so literal-minded in a way that just makes you want to like take a nap for five years. <laughs> it's just, um, and they were so mad about us, you know, even having the possibility of lionizing somebody who practices a pseudoscience. And it's just like, you're missing the point of this piece. Well, I and was, also, it's okay. I was telling you guys that, like, uh, I think Tess also had, we had our charts done by our math teacher. Oh, yeah. Did you have Mr. Gregg? I had Mr. Gregg. Yeah. I was also, it, it was, I hate to use this word, but it was dumb math. It was, we both got bumped down to, to <laughs> remedial to, math. To remedial math. And our math teacher, even though he was a math teacher, he was also really into astrology. He, and he was kind of great. He was totally yeah. like a, like a Scoot McNary mm-hmm. uh, in Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, you know? stole my heart. So oh, when we found out that he was into <laughs> astrology, it was like a very fun twist of like, you would not have expected that. And then uh, he did everyone's charts in the class as like an end of the year thing. It was a treat. It was a treat. Um, but I also hate when people are like, oh, well, I'm a whatever. So I'm like very whatever. A superior, an astrological superiority complex. Yeah. Or, and also, or an excuse to get out of things where it's like, you can't depend on me I'm a Gemini right like, I hate well, that you could also try to be a good person <laughs> right I hate when people are like I'm gonna like use this as an excuse for like bad traits of mine that are related to astrological sense but I also think people that are astrologers like Susan Miller um, are kind of just like confidence men confidence women yeah like Darren Brown for well, example she's, she's an artist she's not a scientist right. she's an artist but it's like to look someone in their eyes and we were talking about this recently in terms of people that are like really seductive to everyone you know which is like a lot of like actors and actresses it's mm-hmm. just like someone who like looks you in the eye asks you a lot of questions about yourself says your name periodically says your name periodically makes oh, you like f- car salesman mm-hmm. yeah, yeah like makes you yeah. feel understood like the ability to con people into believing that you know something about them is like really valuable because people yes. will pay a lot yeah. for that. Wait, so we know Molly's a Virgo. Emily, you are a Libra. Do you know your rising? I'm a Libra. Yeah, it's I'm a Taurus rising, which I didn't even realize till like semi recently. And I, 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 again, all with a grain of salt, but I feel like it explains a lot of my frustrations <laughs> in life. Wait, what? So what is what? Claire, what? We don't even know where to begin with you. What's your deal? I'm a, I'm a Scorpio. Oh, I'm makes Scorpio so much cuss. sense. You're I'm so... the last day of Scorpio. Although I met someone at a party yesterday who claimed she was the last day of Scorpio, but her birthday's the day after mine, so Wait. one of us is lying. I mean, maybe I have like a moon sign or a rising or something that I'm not, I don't know, I haven't yet acknowledged and internalized, or that Emily has acknowledged her four Taurus rising, but I... <laughs> four Taurus rising. <laughs> I, I often read my horoscope like, Oh, I wish, you know, yeah. like it, it's always like you are, a, you're a saucy minx and no one can get enough of you and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, that's not that me sounds at fun. all, but I wish. <laughs> it sounds more fun to think about than like Virgo, which is like, you might clean your bathroom today. Do you have any least favorite signs? Wait, Tess, we didn't ask you. you gotta, we got to get to your sign still. You're avoiding, evading. Oh, well, I'm like a Capricorn. Like a true Capricorn. I'm very <laughs> No, we're a 
cap front. I'm a cap. It, it's no secret. I'm a cap. What's your rising sign? <laughs> Gemini. Oh, that also makes sense. But again, okay. Here's my thing with astrology: is I feel like if you just list enough emotional traits, everybody right. is like, "I'm all those things." <laughs> I'm yeah. not totally. Well, I think if somebody told me I was a Cancer, I'd be like, "Yeah, right. This is totally fake." I think that would be one where I'd be like, "This, this, this is a fake." That's science. how I feel about being 100%. a Virgo. I'm like, literally, the only thing about Virgos is that they're neat. And no, because I'm, you're yeah. loyal, stubborn, right? These are so you're you're salt Who of the earth. Be the virgin. The well, least just, fun. Just, it's just a woman. Literal. She's a woman. She's I know, but it's like all the other signs are like sexy and passionate and like water and like, Molly. I'm a goat and like dirt. I'm a goat. It wants to be dirt, <laughs> but it's Saturnine. So you're. you're I'm a bug. <laughs> what I'd really <laughs> like to do, and maybe night callers can help us do this, is establish an alternate astrology system. I think constellations oh. are really cool. I think the zodiac yeah. is really cool. Obviously, um, I think there are like weird, spooky things that happen in my life sometimes that I feel like. There are weird, spooky things that can happen, you know? Like, yeah. you just about- need like something with an ensemble cast of 12. Right. Is there like a Star Trek, maybe? What about or- like fruits <laughs> and vegetables? Um, like a lot of people who are like, it's a fake science. Like I know I would I don't, I don't believe it. We shouldn't you know uh, pay any money to these people or let them have columns. Are people who like totally invest all of their energy into the Myers Briggs? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I, and, I mean, and social psychology, help. I I believe in. I think is real. But that's yeah. also why I like Darren Brown's The Push, and you guys did not because I was like. But it's also like it's the Myers Briggs is a twist, test. You take yourself. You can answer it any way you want. Right, and, and nobody who would answer it isn't that the the sociopath test where it's like anyone who is a real sociopath would know how to pass the sociopath test right mm-hmm. yeah the other reason i wanted to talk about astrology um was that something actually astrology related happened to me in my life recently <laughs> which was that um my longtime favorite astrologer that i read on the internet quit the game and i was unexpectedly very deeply um I don't, I don't, I don't want to say upset, but it really like shook me in a way that I wasn't expecting. Well, it did kind of feel like somebody reaching a breaking point or like when you kind of realize that this person you've just been interfacing with because of their, their public facing persona and the use that they present to like on the internet, that there was actually like so much more going on with him. Oh, right. That they're not the person you think they are on the internet. Yeah, or like like a robot that gives you things every month. Yeah, yeah. And he's been (laughs) providing this service like every week without fail for, you know, 15 years or something like that. And he wrote this like final essay on his site. Um, The the site is astroberry.com. He's like a total (laughs) Bay Area, like just like a total sweetheart. Like, I I don't know. Do you think he was on those deadhead BBS boards back in the day? It's very possible. I'm going to go ahead and say yes to that. Yeah, he's like, I think he's in his 40s. Maybe he's in his late 40s or something. I feel like he could have been around for that scene. He definitely like, I think a thing that happened with him, because he, in addition to the horoscopes, he would write, his um, just like kind of monthly musings on you know the planets and his own life and stuff like that and um, he got I think he got priced out recently of the Bay Area and like had to leave and he had been living there for a really long time and it was like very emotional for him he wrote his final essay about or his final piece was just like I my my computer broke down and I lost my my last uh, horoscopes that I was going to post and like something in me just snapped and I was like I'm not doing this anymore. Do you think he saw it coming though? <laughs> I don't know. He's not a psychic. He's an astrologer. <laughs> well, he did he did kind of put it in astrological context in a way, but like kind of how 
like we were reaching some sort of end of some kind of cycle or another. I couldn't repeat it. Uh, it, it was just like a bummer to read because I realized that I had really... Was it like, like Southland uh, Tales? Was he just like, well, the apocalypse is starting and... <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't so doomsday. It was more just like him making a personal decision for his well-being and his like, you know, out of his own, you know, need for self-care, I guess. Um, there are, of course, plenty of people that we only, like, we feel like we have a relationship with online that we don't even contact or like, you know, get in touch with in any way, uh, and don't know who we are, but it still feels like a relationship and not even like big celebrities or something. This is just like a astrologer blogger. Yeah. Um, I feel that way about, uh, Adrian, my YouTube yoga teacher, who is my imaginary (laughs) best friend that I love, but I'm also like... I'm not, I don't know this person and the way they present themselves in yoga videos is like a sweet, wonderful, nice person who you would want to teach you yoga uh, is not a full person. (laughs) And it's very easy to feel close to someone, especially when they're like doing, being a yoga teacher or an astrologer, someone who you're like, I come to you for counsel. It's important to acknowledge that work, you know, like every once in a while, just drop an email to those people online that you admire that are doing things for you that you're not paying. I but this is the them. thing I did. You guys, I, I know we talked about how we don't, we shouldn't get conned by astrologers, <laughs> but I totally did pay wow. for Astroberry's like yearly reports. Um, and it was like this total honor system thing because it was just a PDF that he would email you and you could obviously share it with whoever you wanted. But he was just like, he would send it out and be like, hey, you know, like I know you can you can technically send this to everybody, but like I, if you like it, please just ask your friends to to buy it. And so I bought it like a few years and then he stopped doing it a few years ago. But like I I should I it did make me feel bad that I had never just like like I'd never followed him on Twitter or anything like that. It felt like so separate from how I interface like my rest the rest of my internet activity. Do you think he was on Twitter? He was. I don't know if he's well, gonna you know be what? doing Give any astrology. Follow. I yeah. know I should. It's Give not him too follow. late. Send him a link to the podcast. Tell <laughs> we'll him that have you him saw on this him. podcast. Um yeah, it's like misconnections, but with astrologers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Tess, have you ever paid yeah. for it? No, I've, well, no, I have, it. but in it. person, not, not online. Uh, I go for the real deal and I used to do it a lot in high school. There was, um, you oh, paid for psychics more, right? Yeah. yeah, it was psychics, but I've also done astrologers. I've done astrological readings at the psychic eye. They have like a, yeah. a psychic zone and then they also do some like, you know, charts and stuff like that. So I've done that before. But um, I don't know. For me, it's like the kind of thing where I like to get the tools to do it myself. You know, (laughs) I'm like a DIYer because I feel like I I don't know that much about charts, but there's so many resources where if you want to spend like six hours and stay up all night figuring out, you know, all your stuff, all your planets and stuff, you can. Um, I'm very of two minds. But if you on make it. a mistake, you'll never know. You yeah, could, you yeah. could be basing your life decisions on some miscalculation. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I'm I'm totally more of like a you know. I guess I'm more of a skeptic. Well, I um, it's different because it's psychics, but um, there were just like these stories. One of them was in the New York Times, and I sent it to Molly and Emily about a man named Niall Rice who was um, scammed out of hundreds of thousands, like $700,000 or something like that by a psychic. 
and he he was like having a tough time in life he was um like using drugs and drinking a lot really depressed and he went to rehab met a woman fell in love and then they left rehab and dated briefly and then she went back to rehab um and broke up with him and he was heartbroken so he saw this psychic and she was like oh we'll get her back it, it just it devolved into this thing where the woman died sadly and the guy was still seeing the psychic and the psychic was like, oh, she's, she's dead, but that's okay. You can still make it work with her. She'll be reincarnated as another woman. And meanwhile, taking like all of oh his my money, God. he met a girl, started dating her, believed she was the reincarnated ex-girlfriend. Eventually, the, his new partner realized this and was like, whoa, no way. <laughs> Broke up with him. Like, it, it was crazy. And then... Oof. Then there was another article, I think in Reader's Digest, about a romance novelist named Jude Devereaux. I oh. think she gave a psychic $17 million. It was like her whole her whole life savings. She gave like, you know, these psychics, it was like a whole family of psychics who had storefronts in New York and then also in Florida. And they, the woman, Rose Marks, I think was her name, um, who was heading the operation, just got, she got 10 years in prison. I think that the investigation was called Operation Crystal Ball. Um, but she would just take money from people and be like, oh, it's your money's like dirty. It has like bad juju on it. I'm going to cleanse it and then it'll come back to you later. And everyone was like, okay. Yeah. Like on the one I hand, mean, I'm like, oh, don't give astrologers all, all your money. But then I'm like proud of the astrologers for taking it. Yeah, back. I know. You're like, I feel the same it. way. Yeah. I'm like, is it really the astrologers fault at that point? I mean, yeah. Yes. Well, it's, I mean, I think it's usually defended as being like therapy, mm. but therapists right. can't can't kind of make that like I'll fix your marriage you know they can't make false promises they can only is this you know, point, is this the point in night call where we decide to start a religion <laughs> the finally night, the night cult yeah. yeah or like a law practice that that defends psychics <laughs> Devereaux and Devereaux Devereaux and Devereaux <laughs> well we should take what our one final uh, night call from this week uh, which comes to us from Lauren, and this is yet another a, a, a story I have not heard anything like this yet about as far as apps spying on us, but let's uh, let's give it a listen. Hi, my name is Lauren, and I have a podcast called Podcast Podcast. It's a podcast about podcasts, and I love your podcast. Um, I, I was listening to you talk about how, whether or not our phones are listening to us, and I have, like, I mean, I think this is a pretty standard weird story where I had my phone in my pocket and we were talking about the Rent the Runways new like subscription service and I went back to my desk and in my computer it's all the ads I've seen. I feel like everyone has a story like that but I something weird happened I haven't heard anyone else talk about. I bought my husband a Super Nintendo like an old one for Christmas and my Spotify list of suggested songs the week after was all like, I listened to a lot of hip hop, but it was all like, I can't think of any examples right now, but it was like hip hop songs with like Super Nintendo noises and themes. And I never heard of that before. Like I bought the the Super Nintendo console on Amazon and then I opened Spotify and there's all these Nintendo songs and they've never played again. I don't know, I didn't even know there were so many hip hop uh, Nintendo themed songs. But I, I don't know if you've ever heard of anybody with, with a story like that, where Spotify is feeding a playlist based on history. Um, and, uh, keep up the great work. I love the show. God, algorithms are s- so dumb in a way. 
It's like this. I mean, it's, if if that is true, if the Spotify algorithm and the Amazon algorithm are working hand in hand to oppress this woman, the assumption that just because you like Nintendo, you also like Nintendo music, yeah. like so that you just saying. like Nintendo across all all yeah. media, is so yeah, that you new like interests acquired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I'm assuming that's what she's saying here is that these are like like rap songs that have like some production that sounds like chip tune. That's that's what I'm feeling like this must be it heard uh, chip music and it was like you like chip music <laughs> yeah allow yeah, me to like, suggest see that's what the robot voice should be like it should be like a nerd <laughs> like a nerd voice rosie the robot or yeah, yeah not like um, let me get you someplace like, <laughs> i mean it could also be just a zeitgeist thing though like she decided to buy the nintendo and then maybe because she it was just in the air that yeah. week, you know? I think there's something a little bit more unquantifiable that sometimes happens. Well, or she just noticed it really more You know, more but they make those ads, they do it, they, like the way the machines all work together to make you feel crazy, and like you're in a Philip K. Dick story, is that they make it all like plausibly deniable. They're all like... Oh, maybe I just, maybe I wasn't listening to me. I just was doing this and then also doing this. And it happened to know that, you know. Well, she bought the the Super Super Nintendo for her husband. Like, had she been searching for Super Nintendos online? And then there was her search history for that. But then it doesn't make yeah, any maybe sense it for it to. Search history. That's less, that's less scary. Yeah. But, but then for it to actually, like, start affecting it after she, they start playing with the Super Nintendo. I mean, it feels like a really janky and poorly conceived sort of like voluntary Shazam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see some kind of usefulness for it because I have the thing all the time of like, there was a song playing at this restaurant and it's killing me. I can't remember what it is. And then like, if you start trying to find it f- f- in whatever way, it, it pops up a little more easily. But this is not anything anybody's asking for. And it's just like picking It thinks up. it's well, helping it? you. Yeah. But yeah. it just wants yeah. to help There's you no buy stuff. Game. It's like it's, it's not, it's not even sell you another Nintendo. Though. Yeah. Like yeah. once you've gotten to the point where the Nintendo music is playing in your Spotify, like what are you going to go back to Amazon to buy a second <laughs> Nintendo? Or are you just gonna Give me like, more sounds. <laughs> Nintendo You're going to buy Nintendos until your house is nothing but Nintendo. Well, they can't harmonize with just one. If you want the harmonies, then you've got to yeah. have two oh, Nintendos. Wow. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Alexa. (laughs) Like a barber barber shop Alexa quartet. To go back to Alexa, to take it full circle, but with the the sound thing, I I never want to have an Alexa, but like at the same time, before all this stuff started coming onto the market, the only thing I thought I would ever want as far as like a personal robot or like one of these things that you have in your house, I envisioned like a floating orb that would follow behind me and just like play music whenever I requested Florb. it. A florb. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, kind of yeah. what Simon is. Yeah. Yeah. He's a floating space. If you, if you look up Simon or Kaiman. What about a Roomba? A Roomba that's yeah. like an iPod. Tess has a Roomba. Sure, no, yeah. I did. I had a Roomba and I had the Roomba that sprays water, but I ha- they break and then you're like, what do I do? And it's really hard to get them fixed. They just want you to buy another Roomba. And then the Roomba that is dying is like, help me. No, the Roomba that is dying is just like this immensely heavy Frisbee. This was, I had a Roomba now 12 years ago. It was huge and it was con- very confused by boundaries and stairs and yeah, and then they break and it's, and at that time it was impossible to get it fixed. It was, you know, they really wanted you to troubleshoot yourself and you're like I don't know where to begin with fixing this thing I'm just gonna buy a Swiffer which I did well thank you very much Lauren for your call and giving us another thing to 
um, check our preferences on. <laughs> and thank you, Claire, for oh. being on this this uh, night Me? call and being our inaugural guest. Oh, I'm so honored. It was fun, and everybody should go check out Broadband, the Bye, Untold My Book. <laughs> Buy my book. If you're listening to this night call, maybe Alexa will start ordering Suggesting the book. Suggesting the book. Yeah. Oh, At, yeah, I like that. I like to test to see if it's things we're listening to yeah. by just yelling the name of a product into my phone. <laughs> like, I just like to yell leggings at my phone a bunch to see if I get Facebook ads <laughs> for leggings. But that that does it for this week's night call. Uh, as always, you can give us a call at 24046-NIGHT. Leave us your calls about your favorite BBSs, your, uh, what else, your, your thoughts on astrology. Ghost stories. I want ghost stories. Ghost stories. Yeah, give us some ghost stories. Yeah, and you can also uh, send us an email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at nightcallpod, Facebook, nightcallpodcast, Instagram at nightcallpodcast. Boom, I did them all. I remembered all of them. Nice. (laughs) And also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us continue to make podcasts for you. Thank you. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind, so you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.